Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Mugganass Burkhardt, Alton Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan, and that is Jackson Burkett, who is growing out a beard. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm not going that far. I'd say it's more. I see it. You know, now that I see it on the sides, like where the sideburns would be. Watch uh-huh. this. Say, I like your sideburns. I noticed that. Have you shaved that? You have yeah. shaved that. Yeah, because so what will happen with mine is like it's real scruffy up by the sideburns and like under the, the chin here. Mm-hmm. So I'll usually shave that and make it a little bit gradual. Into oh, yeah, this, like a landing strip. Very similar to a landing strip. That's kind of what I model it after. And uh, it's not long for my face. I'm going I'm going to shave it today. It's over. Yeah, it's just not. I, I've tried to become a facial hair guy, but when you have white very white, almost white, blonde hair on your face. It's just not a great look. Jake Paul probably has the best blonde beard, and even that's bad. Your thoughts on the best blonde beards? 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, you could also participate in the conversation on best blonde beards uh, in the YouTube chat and uh, talk it over in there. And I would imagine Tiny PP is in the... Yeah, he is. He is, along with Droid Effects. Uh, and they're talking it over. We have Gabe Diarman presented by James Carlton as we have Conference Championship Weekend this weekend getting underway tonight. And Washington is now up to a 10-point underdog. What would you do there? Would you take Oregon and lay the 10, or would you take Washington and take the 10? I would wait, if I was betting it, I would wait until about an hour before kickoff and see if that number dropped a half point and then put it on Washington. If that number stays pat at 10, I'm taking Oregon. If late money comes in and drops that number a half oh, point. Oh, I see. So I was about to say, you're, you're losing a valuable half point at that number of 10. Absolutely, but that would signal something to me. that late, If late money came in and dropped to the half point, I would take the Huskies. If not, I'm on Boy, the this ducks. guy, man, you're on the fourth level. That's the thing. We just can't relate, unless you went to Horton Watkins. <laughs> can't relate to that thought process, but I respect it. I'll, I'll be deferential. I mean, that's why you're, you know, nine figures net worth. So, hey, I tip my cap. I'm not envious. I just tip my cap. Uh, so Gabe's going to join us coming up at 10:15, talking college football, talking New Year's Six for Missouri. Who gets in? Who gets out? I'm I, I anxious to talk it over with the colonel. I got all kinds of thoughts on that as I love me some college football. And uh, I was at the Blues game last night. I would imagine the Little Piddle six-shooter oh, yeah. is leading with the Blues, so I won't step on it. Uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. No, I mean, I have a question about the Blues. What was the know. lead? It's a good uh, It's a bad hypothetical for the Cardinals. Let's go with the Blues. Jeez. Let's go with the Blues. Has the emergence of Jake Neighbors been the biggest surprise of the season if he can continue to Bruce at the level he's at, 
Would that be arguably more exciting for Blues fans for the future than the continued development of Thomas and Cairo? Great question. It's a Thank great you. question. Thank you. Uh, yes, actually, I think so. Because you already had invested in Cairo and, and Thomas, so not only do you need them to develop, you're, you're in a bad spot if they don't For sure. because of the dollars tied to them. This is a bit of a windfall. And what he is doing... I mean, it's something else. It really is. Mm-hmm. It is. I was I was at the game last night. Took my son, and I said, "Keep your." He 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 loves Justin Falk. I have no idea what that's about. I'm not anti Justin Falk. He just loves Justin Falk. So hey, God bless. That's his guy. So I said, "Hey, keep an eye on 63, because this guy." And this this was this was before he was on hat trick watch. I said the way he's been playing the last seven ish games. He's just been flashing, and he absolutely has. And he made note of it in his postgame comments saying, hey, you know, when you're on the line with the talent that he's on, you also want to clear the ice for Thomas and Buchnevich uh, for them, but then you have a responsibility to make sure you're at the front of the net, which is where he was on his first goal, and then Buchnevich set him up perfectly. And then what does it say, Jackson? What does it say about the leadership of the captain, Braden Shen's in a spot to get himself the hat trick, and he waits to try to get that little passing lane to get it over to neighbors for him to get the empty net hat trick. What do you think about that? It earned Braden Shen the first star of the game. Would an NBA player ever do that? Yeah. What? Yeah. Dwayne Wade throw alley-oops up to Braun all the time when he had open layups. Yeah, but anybody else? Uh, well, uh... Ben Simmons did it once, and it didn't go well for him. He's been on a spiral ever since. So there you go. Once again, it proves. Yeah. Another great point, Tim. Thank you so much. Uh, a very odd game, though. You know, it, it, it reminds me of that uh, Coyotes game they won a couple weeks ago, where you're like, boy, they won, but my God, the power play. You go, boy, they won, but my God, 45 shots. At the same yeah. time, six goals on 20 shots, not too bad. The other side of it is 45 shots. And uh, and the weird thing is also, and I don't know how people feel about this, I felt Jordan Biddington played a great game, but he allowed four goals. The last one with about three minutes left was kind of a, I don't, that was a strange goal uh, that I didn't necessarily feel was I, on Biddington. It was almost like the play was dead, and all of a sudden, it's so, that the puck is in the net. Um, so when you have 45 shots and you play like that, it was critical that he had two big breakaway saves and kept that game in check because the Sabres were about to complete a comeback, and that would have been a tough one as you head out to play Arizona. And how often is this team going to play the Seriously. Arizona Coyotes? Is this, could this be the last time? Like, it are is. they just front loading it? Is. Okay. This is it. Good. I don't have to look They'll at They'll be at the mullet tomorrow, uh, pregame uh, here on 101 ESPN at uh, 7 p.m. Jackson. And then uh, off to take on VGK before heading back to St. Louis to take on VGK. Ooh. So there you go. Home and home. How do you do? I like that. But yeah, Jake Neighbors and that development. Yeah, if, if you would have said at the beginning of the year, you could have had somebody emerge as well as Thomas and Cairo. I mean, I would have taken that all day long. Mm-hmm. And the thing about neighbors is this is someone who it's not just about on ice production. There, There's some leadership elements to it. I've heard, you know, from Jamie Rivers talking about it, heard uh, Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale talking about it. 
And this might be a guy for for kids like my my son who's six, and for longtime Blues fans, this might be a guy you're hearing about in St. Louis for years to come. We made that uh, we talked about it with Jeremy Rutherford on on Monday. The comparisons with Alex Steen um, because not just his play, but also the leadership element, the compete. Keep an eye on this. This is a young guy who is on a heater right now, but it's not just about his scoring. You know, I mean, I think a lot of guys would have been able to do what he did last night on the Buchnevich assist, but it's about the way he is all over the place and now has earned his spot on that top line. It's re- it's a really significantly exciting development. Yeah, the fact that the Blues are where they are at this point in the standings, that I think most people probably would have been pleased by. Yeah, I would say so. But the neighbors thing has me more fired up. Uh, you've got you've got something really going on right there. Your thoughts are welcome on it. 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service text line. Watch the program on YouTube. Check out Jackson's facial hair because I think it's going away in the next couple hours. Yeah. It's just, it's, I don't know, man. We just had Lisa in on TMA and she says to shave it. Yeah. And, and Lisa Ann's a big fan of your work. I mean, you guys shared a bed together. Yeah, we did. And I think that uh, her expertise on this situation uh, it's very germane, uh, and I should probably take it. Joe Germain split quarterback reps with Stanley Jackson in 1997, or was it 98 at Ohio State? I don't know the years, Tim, right. um, but I do know that this face probably looks a little bit better with no hair on it. All right. Yeah, and it, I, I'm not even going to do an electric shave either. I'm going to go, I'm going to take the razor. Well, right, re- you're going to go to like a barber shop, like in The Godfather. <laughs> They would be like, seriously, you want a hot shave right now with, with that, what you got that? that? Peach fuzz? Yeah, that would not go well. Uh, the Colonel's going to join us, and he's going to give us his perspective on where Missouri sits. What would be the disaster scenario for Missouri this weekend? Any? I always like to kind of get the upset play. I don't know what my upset play would be. Like you upset dub. watch. You dub. But even is like that an upset? Wa- I mean, I'm taking Washington. If I do, I don't even know if I will. But if I would, it's because they're getting ten points. Right. It's not. Yeah. I'm not thinking. I'm not going money line for sure. Um. Yeah. Where, where, where the Colonel sees something, I could certainly see Alabama. I'm looking forward to being us and with the Colonel. That's coming up uh, here on the other side of the break. And what about the Cowboys? Taking on oh Oklahoma State. I thought you were going to give me a Seahawks Cowboys take as we go no, to break. No, even though the uniforms look the good uniforms last from the Seahawks last night solid, really Ooh. solid. Ooh. Such a stark difference on their Thanksgiving game night game where they wore those all green eyeball burners compared eyeball to burner. compared to the throwbacks they wore last night. Night and day difference on those. Yeah, since I was at the Blues game, I wasn't watching that game, and I have the highlights up here because uh, Orlovsky is going to argue about something. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, now I see what the people on TMA were talking about. Sharp look. Really sharp. And that's that's what uh, the old Steve Largent, they had a Kurt Warner on their team, but he was a running back. Mm. Jim Zorn, that was when they played in the Kingdom, uh, that is what they were wearing. And that's what they sported last night against the Cowboys. And I had the Seahawks plus nine in my Circa Million, so I'm off to a 1-0 start. Because I got the cover, they were getting nine. Yeah, that's a Cowboy. That was, that was a good play. Cowboys coming off just smoking the Commanders. Had a good play. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Now, Colonel's joining us next, brought to you by James Carlton. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganas Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, on 101 ESPN and on the 101 ESPN channel on YouTube. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
We're talking Tigers football with Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com. Brought to you by James Carlton of State Farm. Mention 101 ESPN to James's team when you request a quote, and they'll donate $20 to NIL on your behalf. CarltonInsurance.net. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Sitting across from me, but still taller than me, is Jackson Burkett. And we are on YouTube on the 101 ESPN channel. And uh, you can rank our attractiveness. Tiny PP, I hope I know where you sit. I'm hot. I agree with that. Uh, so is Gabe, and he joins us right now. Morning, Colonel. What's up? How you doing? It's great to hear from you, Colonel. I, you know, I'm always on that Power Mizzou, and I see the article from the uh, Austin newspaper. I'm not a subscriber, so when I clicked on the link, it blocked me out. And I'm not in incognito <laughs> mode, so I couldn't go yep. in. But uh, it's got uh, Missouri and Texas in the Cotton Bowl, according to Bull sources, if Texas does not get into the college football playoff. Uh, what are your thoughts on that report? It is certainly possible that it ends up being correct, but everything I've been told by people that are much more involved in this than I am is that the Bulls don't really talk to the schools or have a lot of say-so when it comes to the New Year's Six Bulls because those are set by the college football playoff committee. It's You know, the, the Cotton Bowl can't say, well, we really want this team moved up from 13 to 12 because we want that. It doesn't work that way. It does it, – this is not the bowl system that put Kansas in the Orange Bowl in 2007. <laughs> and way too many Missouri fans don't understand that. Now, look, Texas, Missouri, and the Cotton Bowl is a possibility. But I'm not sure that anybody from the Cotton Bowl can tell Kirk Bowles that that's what's going to happen. Right, 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 right. I, I follow you on that. And the Cotton Bowl had Tulane and USC last year, correct? Correct. So the G5 team is almost certainly not going to the Cotton Bowl. That, and that's the reason why I, I bring that point up. Uh, you have said uh, in your ideal world, you would love to see Missouri play the loser of tonight's Pac-12 championship game in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, so that would be Missouri-Oregon, Missouri-Washington in the Fiesta Bowl. Is that uh, still what you would be your, your number one pick if you were drafting bowl draft options? Yeah, if I just got to pick, that's probably what I'd pick. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I, I would probably go there. Then I would go Penn State. Um, then I would go Florida State. Although what I would actually change to number one, if it was possible, and it is possible, but it takes a complete chaos scenario, Ohio is State. Missouri playing Ohio State. Yes! And what would have to happen for that to happen? God, I'd love uh, that. Let's see. <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. First of all, well, I, I don't know as far as the games this weekend, but if Alabama would have to beat Georgia because an SEC team that is not in the playoff would have to then be ranked above Ohio State to go to the Orange Bowl to face an ACC team, which would then send uh, Ohio State into kind of that other group of, you know, six teams for three bowls. Um, so the key is that there has to be an SEC team that's not in the playoff but is ranked above Ohio State, and that's possible. Um, you know, if, if Georgia beats – if Alabama beats Georgia, 
Like it's possible they're both ranked above Ohio State, and neither one's in the playoff. To be quite honest, yeah, uh, because it, there's just so much that could go on. But that, that's the one. I thing see. That okay, I, I was I was like, how are you saying Missouri would go above Ohio State? No, you're not saying that. You're saying it would be Georgia or Alabama not in the playoff, but above Ohio State. I follow you. Which would put them in the Orange Bowl, which right. would then free up Ohio State for these other games. God, yeah. how about Georgia going from playing for the national championship to playing Louisville? <laughs> Crap! Yeah. What a mess that'd be for them. By the way, I want to get your opinion on this, and I I arrive. At this conclusion, uh, after I saw Kirk Herbstreet kind of awkwardly sparring with Greg McElroy on Tuesday night, but I agree with where he's coming from. And that is, I think Georgia's in unless they get blown off the field by Alabama. What do you think? Here's why they're not. Because if, let's say, Alabama wins, I don't care, close game, whatever, Alabama beats Georgia. Uh huh. And Texas beats Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you then have twelve and one Georgia, which lost to Alabama this week. So how do you put Georgia in over Alabama? But twelve and one Alabama lost to twelve and one Texas. So how do you put Alabama in over Texas? So are unless we create some scenario where the playoff is Michigan, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, I just I don't think that's the case. I, I mean, it, again, it goes back to. Do I think Georgia's one of the four best teams? Absolutely. But if they if this game doesn't matter at all, if they can be twelve and one and get in over an Alabama team that beat them, or if Alabama can get in over Texas with the same record, why do we play games? Yeah. Just pick your team yeah. in August and uh, go. Kind of sometimes wonder if that's what this winds up being anyway. So let me get to this question because that this question would certainly be the nucleus of any of those kinds of thought processes. Is Florida State in no matter what if they beat Louisville? I, I think so. I, I just I, I don't. The history of this thing tells me they're not keeping a an undefeated Power Five champion out, and they shouldn't. I, I mean, I heard a, I was listening to a podcast a friend of mine does this morning, and he brought up the perfect scenario. Like, let's say the Eagles go fifteen and two, but in week sixteen or seventeen, Jalen Hurts gets hurt. And he's clearly done for the year. And whoever their backup quarterback is comes in. Does the NFL say, oh, no, sorry, you guys can't go now. Uh, Dallas is now better than you, so you're not. That's not how it works. Um, I, I get that they might not be the same team. If they lose, they're clearly out. I think the committee's looking for a way to get them out. But if they win, I, I don't see how you can tell them they don't get a spot in the playoff. Because, again, why play – Tate Rodemaker at that point will have beaten Florida and will have beaten Louisville. Now, are those the best teams in the country? No, but he will have done what he was asked to do to get them in the playoff. I share your opinion that they should be in. I'm just curious if you think the committee could. If you have a one-loss Georgia, a one-loss Texas, a one-loss Alabama, along with whatever you have from the Pac-12, let's say an undefeated Washington, which puts that whole thing to bed, and an undefeated uh, Michigan, what do you do in that situation? Because at that point, if Florida State is in, then that means two of the three, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, are not in. Right. And, I mean, there are... The committee has gotten bailed out every single yes. year. Like, yep. it's always worked out for them. And so what's probably going to happen 
is Florida State, Washington, Michigan, and Georgia are going to win this weekend. And you're going to have four undefeated teams, and the committee's going to say, see, we did it again. (laughs) All we need is four teams. Screw you guys that made us go to 12. Yeah, yeah, and then Georgia gets to beat Florida State by 40. I mean, if any of that doesn't happen, like right now Oregon's best win is Oregon State. Like, I understand they're blowing teams out, and I think they're one of the four best teams in the country. But nothing they've done proves it, really. I, I you I know, mean, I, I agree with you on that. I feel like the, the Oregon, and I'm guilty of it, by the way. I'm also guilty of it with Alabama, because if you look at Alabama, it's like, okay, well, Alabama's had a lot of near-death experiences for what their reputation is as a brand. But you're right on the Oregon one. Oregon's one I've been talking about going, I think they're one of the best teams. They might win the whole thing. But then you look at it, and you go, yeah, Oregon, yeah. I mean, they played Washington super tight in Seattle. But other than that, it's it, it's what? Right. And right now, the very best win in college football this season belongs to Texas. Yes. They won at Alabama. And if Alabama beats Georgia, then yes, Alabama now has the best win in college football. But you know what else it does? Texas just beat the only team that beat Georgia. You know, I mean, you can argue this a million different ways. I am a proponent that the games have to matter. Because if, if... you know, hey, if you go 13-0, and cool. If Texas ends up number five because they were 12-1 and and everybody else was 13-0, and then okay. But if Texas ends up 12-1 and and out of this playoff, why would they ever again schedule a game like at Alabama? Yeah, yep, why yep. wouldn't they just go play three nobodies and never leave the state of Texas? That's the core issue, and that's why what takes place here the next uh, 24, 48 hours is going to be so significant. I have actually bet all of the chalk in a parlay, but I will be cheering against my bet because I want to see how they handle this discussion should it come to fruition. And I just think, I think, I I mean, the Michigan-Iowa thing, by the way, if you uh, are confident Michigan's going to win, which I think is just about everybody, including people in Iowa, uh, they are minus 3,000. So if you want to win $100 on Michigan with no spread, you have to bet $3,000 to win $100. Uh, Iowa straight up is plus $1,200. I don't think that's enough to uh, to warrant the bet. With that said, I could see Texas losing to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's a wide delta team. Florida State losing to Louisville. Georgia losing to Alabama. And uh, who am I leaving? Oh, of course, the Pac-12 thing. I feel like uh, the fact that Washington's getting 10 points is... Listen, I could certainly see Oregon covering it, but that's a, that's a big, big number. Is there anyone we, we like to look at our upset watches here, Colonel? Any any of these underdogs that you like more than another? I mean, I think Louisville's going to win this weekend. Yeah, um, I don't. I think it's. I think it's only like a one or a two point spread. Two and a half is the last time I saw. Uh, I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to come out and not only need to win, but like he knows he needs to make a statement. I think it's a huge number, but I think Texas covers it. I, you say Texas is a wide, a wide variant team. I mean, Oklahoma State. No, I, I, if I said Texas, I meant Oklahoma State. I meant Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got beat forty-five-three by a bad Central Florida team. They got beat thirty-four-seven by South Alabama. Right. I don't know what to make of it. The funniest thing in college football, by the way, is that Mike Gundy got Big Twelve Coach of the Year because the Big Twelve clearly just said. We're not giving it to the guy that's leaving our league. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that's incredible um, college football pettiness. Well, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who loves the pettiness. It is Mike Gundy, and he got to ship Oklahoma out by keeping him out, and he could get a chance but to ship Texas out well, by keeping him out. And, and, and 
the beauty, like, I generally am going to turn these games off when they're over, but I kind of want to see Brett Yormark have to hand Steve Sarkeesian the Big 12 title. <laughs> and I really want to see uh, it, whatever the, the Big 10 conference commissioner, I can't remember, Tony Batiti, I think. I really want to see him hand that thing to Jim Harbaugh. Oh, God. Yeah. What I want to say, it's like going Kim English was running around with the SEC shirt on after winning the Big 12 uh, championship, right? right? That that kind of deal. Hey, uh, here's a story that I think you're going to be tending to and locking threads on Power Mizzou for next week. If I, if I can peek into your, uh, your okay. future, Colonel, and I know you always enjoy that. Uh, I think you're going to have a couple of, relatively speaking, high profile, not Cook, Bird, nor Schrader, Missouri players not play in whatever game it is, Peach Bowl, Cotton Bowl. And uh, some of uh, your subscribers are going to be raging about that. Uh, What do you think? I think there will be a couple, but I think there's a real easy explanation. Tyron Hopper and Ennis Rakestraw have missed the last couple games due to injury. I've heard that, that Ennis has actually been hurt most of the year. And, like, fairly – fairly, it's impressive he's played. Um, so I, I can see both those guys going – right because they're both probably NFL. They're both probably getting drafted. I can see both of them saying, rather than 15 practices and delaying, healing up or whatever, I need to sit this out, get healthy, and make sure I'm at 100% for pro day and the, the draft combine and all that. And – Yes, there will be people upset about it, but that is not just them saying I'm not playing the game. Mm-hmm. Like there's, that's different to me than just saying, yeah, I'm out. Um, I just don't want to risk getting hurt in the game. They're already hurt, so I, to me, that's different. Um, you know, because it look they, they've got to be ready to go in March, and if by starting rehab or whatever one month sooner they can do that then by all means not only do i understand it i absolutely think they should do it um so those are the and look will there be somebody else i mean that says yeah i'm just i'm just out it's possible i mean i think i know enough about darius robinson he's not sitting this yeah, game out. i agree with that cody schrader not sitting this game out right i wouldn't think Chris Abrams drain or Javon Foster will. I mean, this is literally what they played their whole career for the, the chance to do this. So I think the guys that can play will play. I see uh, your cohort at, uh, at Power Mizzou, Rod Hamilton, said uh, Tyron Hopper just accepted a senior bowl invite. That game, however, is a month later. Break shot, too. Uh, yes, in addition. Right, yeah. And, and the thing about the senior bowl is the game's not the big deal. The practices are. Mm-hmm. Um and Darius Robinson accepted an invite last year. And I don't remember if he went and didn't play the game or if he played, but like you can accept the invite and it doesn't mean you can't come back. But yeah, Robinson, KAD, Rakestraw, and Hopper are all uh, going to that game. And I, for what it's worth, I expect none of them back next year. Well, there it is. There is a Gabe Yarman, powermazoo.com. He will be busy this weekend. Powermazoo.com will be a great source of information, as always. You've got Missouri playing Wichita State in basketball. In addition to the bowl announcement and all that takes place here with the college football playoff coming your way over the next 48 or so hours. Gabe, always enjoy the conversations. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, sir. All right. Have a good one, guys. There he is. Thanks, That's the Dave. Colonel presented to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. Hey, uh, on the other side of the break, this just popped up in my, my Twitter timeline last night, and it wasn't Ella Reese. Uh, this is something Buster only retweeted, and I think it's going to get your dander up. 
We'll play that audio for you. <laughs> Coming up next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, 101 ESPN, and 101 ESPN YouTube channel. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Jackson Burkett. The show is called Balloon Party. It's on 101 ESPN and on the YouTube channel that is uh, 101 ESPN. Our sponsor is Munganas Burkhardt, Alton Toyota. Jackson, I'm scrolling through the Twitter tweets last night. Yep. And I see Buster Olney retweet something. And the first frame of video is the play from the top of the ninth of Game 6 of the 1985 World Series. Yep. Ball hit to the right side of the infield. Todd Worrell, Jack Clark, Tommy Herr converge. Worrell goes to the bag, beats George Orta. Don Denkinger calls him safe. And I'm just like, oh, what are we? what is this? And then there's an interview with George Brett. And I'm thinking to myself... What is this? Are they doing a special out of nowhere? Because it's not like there's some significant date. It's 2023. It was 1985 on the 85 World Series. I gather MLB Network is doing something on George Brett next week. Yeah. But the audio, it's about a two-minute clip, is George Brett fired up, to say the least, about the criticism of that call and how it won the Royals the World Series. Uh, you'll want to take a listen to what he had to say right here. It's a two-minute clip, but it's worth it. Uh, here is George Brett reliving that and sending a message to St. Louis. I was sitting in the first base dugout, so we had a pretty good view of what was going on. The play just wasn't smooth. And I could have swore sitting in the first base dugout that he was safe. Looks like he's out. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Guess what? He was out. Fortunately for us, he called it safe. First base umpire is dinking American League. The people in St. Louis to this day still think it was game seven because they think they lost the World Series on that call. They still dropped the pop-up that inning. They still had a pass ball. That gets away from corner and the runners move up. And they still blame that on Dankin. And that's a looper hitting the right field for a base hit. 
think we played 174 ball games this year. That's the first time we got beaten in the ninth inning. I thought the guy was out at first base. Well, I'm pretty perturbed about that call. For crying out loud, St. Louis, and I have friends that live in St. Louis, Don Dankinger, he made a bad call. Made a bad call. If they call him out, we still might have won the game. You, you don't know. That was game six. Come out and play game seven. That's all you had to do is play game seven. You didn't show up for game seven, you lost 11-0. Suck on it. Suck on it? That's what I heard. Now here's a series of observations for you, Jackson. You weren't alive. Nope. But you're familiar, of course, with the story. Indeed. I think if you were to take the, take this from outside of uh, voters in Missouri or the eastern part of Kansas, the western part of Illinois... And they are sports fans, and they are at least 45 years old. I think the Don Dankinger call is up there among the Mount Rushmore, hashtag Mount Rushmore, I apologize, of worst calls in sports history. There have been more egregious calls, but as far as significance and obviousness, uh, that would be the ultimate. And so with that said, Number one, George Brett strikes me as a guy who is bothered by the fact that his one championship is tainted. It's not George Brett's fault, though, no. nor is it Brett Saberhagen or Dick Hauser, the manager's fault. Um, Pat Sheridan, Frank White, Hal McRae, all of your favorite members of the 1985 Royals. Mm-hmm. Charlie Liebrandt, Jim <laughs> Sundberg, Buddy Biancalana, Steve Balboni, all the greats. How could you forget any of those names? Thank you. But anyone who has played sports, including those of us who are cut from every single team, know that as human beings, what takes place beforehand, whether it be good or bad, creates a semblance of momentum. Now, you can say, nearly 48 years later, suck on it, and it's wonderful. But the reality is... He cites that missed pop fly in foul territory by the dugout between Jack Clark and Daryl Porter, the pass ball by Daryl Porter, uh, and then Game 7 as like those were separate incidents in a vacuum. But the reality is, once that took place, psychologically, just like it would have for the Royals, it has an impact on what plays out going forward. And you can say, well, they should if they were world champions, they should have been able to handle that. And he says, and hell, maybe if he was called out, we still might have won the game. Yes, I would agree with that. That's possible. Mm-hmm. But as far as the likelihood of it, you now have two outs and you haven't scored. And you're up against this Cardinal bullpen that, as you may have heard Whitey Herzog say, we haven't lost a game when we had a lead in the ninth inning all year long. So, again, the thing that's really unfortunate is he is a great player, Hall of Fame ball player. And his world championship does have the asterisk. But also from the St. Louis side that that took place is in the realm of sports, not life, but sports. It is a sports tragedy. 
And I think if he really didn't feel like it had an impact, he wouldn't be as irritated as he is. And I will advance the theory because one of the things I've talked about before is my confusion as to why Kansas Cityans have this thing with St. Louisans, although I don't really know if it's still as intense now that they've won a Super Bowl and a real World Series, uh, is because for a number of years up until those points, their championship, if you were of a certain age, was the one with the Dankager call. Right. And that's why when the Blues were getting their moment in 2019, I was so hopeful that A, the Bruins would be healthy, and Mm -hmm. B, it wouldn't be the byproduct of a controversial call. Not to say that the love for the Royals at that time was equivalent to the love and the pain that Blues fans had had, the the franchise being in St. Louis longer than the Royals had been in Kansas City, and the Blues having a lot of notorious debacles in the postseason. But the Royals and the Yankees had some famous playoff series that uh, Kansas City came up on the short end of, and they lost to the Phillies in the World Series. But with that said... The, the Blues championship is clean. Mm-hmm. And it's not the Royals' fault that that happened. It's not the Cardinals either. But that interview tells you how much it bothers George Brett, even though he won. And from a St. Louis standpoint, having talked to a number of guys who were on that team, the one thing that they say is they were really disappointed in the way that Whitey Herzog handled it afterwards because he's just like, yeah, we just lost the World Series because of that. And then that is what you saw play out in Game 7 where they barely showed up. Also, interestingly enough, Don Denkinger was behind home plate (laughs) in Game 7. Not to say he was out to get them, but that might have been something that the World Series maybe would have done something about. Although then you're shining a bright light on the debacle from the night before by pulling him from the natural rotation to be behind home plate for Game 7 of the World Series. Your reaction to that clip, 314-8399-9646 or comment in the YouTube chat. That's 101 ESPN. Sponsored by the Airlines team. That's the studio cameras. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 1051 in St. Louis. You're listening to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Final segment for the week. Jackson, you have a potpourri of questions here for this Little Piddles Friday Six Shooter. My question to you is which one will you choose for the final eight minutes of the broadcast? Well, Tim. Nice. Eli Drinkwitz has said that he thinks Cody Schrader should be in the conversation for Heisman. We both know that's not going to happen, but who do you think will be crowned the Heisman Trophy winner this year? Do you think anything from championship weekend can swing voters? Yes, if Oregon, uh, because prisoner of the moment stuff, uh, if Oregon is able to win big and Bo Nix throws like four touchdowns and 350 yards, then it would be a prisoner of the moment type thing. I, I think uh, Jaden Daniels is the Heisman Trophy winner, and it's already over. That's where I am. I agree with you, but I'm going to throw out two different scenarios. What if Michael Penix and the Huskies beat Oregon? Penix has an incredible game. Also, what if Jalen Milrow leads an incredible game against Georgia? Obviously, the Milrow thing is different. Then that means the Heisman out. Trophy is the quarterback of the team who has a great conference championship weekend and not about the season. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a concern. But there is like that, you're right, there's a recency bias thing. There's also like the like the Heisman moment, sort of say, like where like like if Milrow does beat Georgia, Georgia obviously on this unbelievable two-time defending national champions, 
and goes and beats them after like being sat out against UC or USF and his whole thing and the comeback against Auburn. I just don't think there's an appreciation for how historic Jaden Daniels' season was. Right. And it's probably because LSU was out of the national championship picture by the time they got to Columbia, Missouri. Yep. They were a two-loss team by the time they got to Columbia, Missouri, having lost to Florida State and Ole Miss the week before. But if you've watched LSU play, I have no idea how you couldn't say that he is the absolute most outstanding college football player and the most material difference to a team from my standpoint by his presence. Now I know it's not MVP, it's most outstanding. And I, I just uh, Jane Daniels. I saw Kirk Herbstreit last week. Oh, it's already over. It's Jane Daniels. Yet if you look. Bo Nix is the favorite to win the Heisman. Stanford Steve said the same thing. Other college experts have said the same thing, like, oh, it's Jane Daniels and it's not a sweat. Right. But then again, Bo Nix is I the favorite. I have no idea. And, and it's, so, it's so obvious to me that I want to bet it. And I do. I have bet Jane Daniels, but not like a lot of money. Uh-huh. And I'm, and, but, I'm, but I'm not going to bet more because it's odd to me that Bo Nix is in the favorite spot. I realize what takes place tonight in Las Vegas can alter that substantially uh, as far as if he doesn't have a great game, then it becomes obvious that Daniels wins. So you're going to have to make the bet based on uh, not knowing what takes place tonight. But either way, I don't care what Bo Nix does tonight. It, it's Jaden Daniels. Yeah, I agree. This is not a you know championship weekend best quarterback performance. It's the Heisman Trophy. So... It's Jaden Daniels, and that'll wrap it up. Yeah. And if it's not, and, I, and that's the thing, if, if this were the shoe or the other foot and I were watching a quarterback at Oregon do this and Jaden Daniels was playing for the SEC championship this weekend, but the Oregon quarterback put up Daniels numbers, I would be saying the exact same thing. I don't think people think I'm an SEC mouthpiece anyway, <laughs> but uh, it's the same kind of thing. What he has done throughout the course of the year. Right. It, to me, it's no doubt. I'm anxious to see what he does in the NFL. Me too. I you think he can, if he can do even close to what he's done this year at LSU, and do that in the NFL, he could be a, like a like Lamar Jackson style game changer because he's so effective with his feet. He's got a great arm. He's just. I'd say Michael Vickian actually. Yeah. So, yeah. I uh, it's just it's Jaden Daniels, and yet he's the underdog to Bo Nix as we sit here. I guess we got time for another question. We do. Sure. A, a, a quick hitter, maybe. I don't know. Three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, so Yair Molina will not be joining the Cardinals coaching staff. According to reports, does this take you by surprise by any degree? Do you think no. Yadi being a coach slash manager is still a possibility in the future? Uh, yes, in the future. I was always confused by this just because... Now listen, Martin Kilcoin was the one reporting it. Martin Kilcoin is you know is about as established and trusted as it can be in, in St. Louis sports media. So I would never doubted the report. What I doubted was how in the world will a couple of people whose jobs are in the crosshairs for fans going to theoretically in the in the chain of command be ahead mm-hmm. of Molina, but the minute Yadier Molina walks in, in reality everybody knows yeah. he's the guy. Yep. Like Don Corleone didn't answer to people. And Yadi or Molina is the Don. He doesn't answer to people. So that that was the thing that I was wondering about, is how can a guy who... Ali Mormol will not be the Cardinal manager if they finish below 500 next year. I don't yep. think that's really bold. Yep. But then you have the guy waiting in the wings who is quoted as saying he wants to be an MLB manager. And somebody texted into TMA this morning, Benji Molina, who came into our studio yesterday, was on with the Riz Show and said yesterday that when he was managing... I don't recall where, I think, I don't know if it was Puerto Rico or Venezuela, that he was kicked out of the first four games he managed. 
I mean, he's just, it just would have been quite a yeah. It, it would have been something else. Don't get me wrong, but I just uh, I do think he will. Yeah, because I think he's obsessed with competition. But I don't know how he could have been subservient to Ali Marmol, John right. Mazalak. Right, given the context of I this just didn't season. see how that was going to happen. Yeah, would have loved it. Because it would have been entertaining. Hey, and maybe they fall below 500 this year, and then they call Yachty, you know. But I would, I would also I, be surprised. I, it's just like with one that of the too. things that, that Cardinal fans have justifiably complained about is you got to go back to Tony Larusa to find somebody with major league managing experience. Mm-hmm. It's a long time ago. Yeah. So now you're going to go four straight. If it was going to be anybody to be sure, it's the one guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. I guess we got to go. Yeah, we got to go. All right. Uh, BK and Ferrari are up next. Jackson, have a wonderful weekend. To our audience, have a wonderful weekend. We will talk with you on Monday. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Mug and Ask Burkhart, Alton Toyota, on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN channel on YouTube. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.